is the moment you've all been waiting for. DC and RC. Welcome to a brand new episode of DC. Coming to you Lafayette, Louisiana. It's DC and RC. Hailing from Aurora, Louisiana. It's fight night. Get your right hook and your right eye. Change how you look. Daniel, come again. And Ryan Clark, the champs are here. With battle scars, it's warfare. Louisiana's in the air. From the railroad to Lafayette to Los Angeles to Times Square. I could go one show without you going, I'm Super Bowl champ. When the mic's on, it's showtime. DC and RC, we win in Super Bowls and Emmys. And Daniel got two belts around the belly. DC, two division champ. I ran the UFC. Cause we asking all, all the tough questions. This guy's the worst, I see. I don't know how you can do a show with DC broke my heart. This is MMA, mixed martial all stars. And we bought that ground and pound, so be on guard. And we going round for round, cause we want it all. But there can only be one in the octagon. DC and RC, DC and RC, DC and RC, ESPN, tune in to see. Guys, welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark, what's up, my brother? I've been seeing you all over TV. And for the first time, RC, I saw you on national television have one of those reactions that you give me weekly. When your chin touch your chest, <laughs> that's your tell, my guy. That's your tell. When you, hey, we call it chin chest. When your chin... <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro, you know why? Because I was legit dead when RG3 <laughs> said he's fighting for his fudging life. I have nothing left, dog. One, I was like, this is it. Like, they're about to break up this entire Monday Night Football crew just strictly based on that statement. And I was like, why would he say that? But you know what, man? That's what it is, dog. With TV, I got to remember that. Sometimes you can see my reaction yeah. because a lot of times I'm thinking you could just look at the person, but yeah, I got caught, man. I got caught stealing boxes on my day off, dog. That was so funny, dog. I Because I know I've seen you do this constantly on this show. You drop your chin or you put your hands like this. And I'm like, that's that man <laughs> tells whenever he like in the midst of, I can't believe this is happening. Well, RC, you hear those rolling waves in the background, bro? I'm right by the beautiful Atlantic Ocean. You know the boy DC like to get outside, spend some time in Florida. No, you don't. But today on the show, we are going to talk about Conor McGregor is back in the USADA pool. We are going to yeah. be joined by Michael Chandler because your boy Chandler, he counted that money. And then as always, we yeah, tap in and we tap out. But guys, before we get started in this Conor McGregor situation or the conversation, last weekend... Dana White had this to say about Conor McGregor. He is not officially in the USADA pool. He submitted the paperwork. Um, probably by Monday, he'll be submitted. And we're all kind of speculating. Again, don't hold me to that, right. but That'd be the, the paperwork is submitted next week sometime. Yeah, we're all kind of guessing. You know, six months, that sure looks at lined up real nice with UFC 300. If you just do the math, does, does that appeal to you to have him maybe... At UFC 300? I literally have nothing planned with Conor McGregor right now. The paperwork uh, is being submitted. We'll, we'll, we'll play it by ear, see how things work out. There's still a lot of things that have to happen as far as fights go. And then we'll decide where, uh, where he's going to land. RC, Conor McGregor then said, I'm back in the pool. 
I'll be doing my stint at high elevation before the bout. He is speaking as if it's still on par for Michael Chandler. But RC, as a big Conor McGregor fan, how excited are you to hear that McGregor has submitted his paperwork, he's going to be back in the USADA testing pool, and he does line up time-wise to be at UFC 300? This is what Conor does, DC. Everybody's been sitting around. When will he get in the USADA pool? Let's make sure we're testing him. When will he fight again? Conor does what the hell Conor wants to do. And he wants to be a part of USC 300. He knows that that's the prime time to come back into the octagon where all eyes will be on him. And it'll be one of the biggest events, if not the biggest event in UFC history. And you can't have a big UFC event. You can't have an event that is called one of the biggest in history if Conor McGregor is not a part of it. Think about it, whether it's Diaz McGregor, Habib McGregor, um, Poirier McGregor. All of these fights were part of some of the biggest pay-per-view cards in the history of the UFC. I believe two of them are the top two. And so Conor McGregor at UFC 300 just makes too much sense. And hopefully it's with our boy MC so he can talk about it and we can have him on the show right before the fight. Hey, RC, that, that is such an interesting thing because... People in the general public are so excited about Conor McGregor coming back. And I got to be honest with you, like, I feel like a lot of the hardcore fans are a little fed up with it, right? They just want to see him back. They're tired of the, he's back, he's gone, he's back, he's gone. They want Conor McGregor back and they want him back uh, in a manner in which he's consistent and he's fighting frequently. But I don't know if that's going to be the case for Conor anymore. I believe that at this point, he's a marquee attraction that when he's there, he warrants the biggest fights in the world, meaning UFC 300 does fit the bill. But that also lends you to ask this question. Does Conor McGregor at UFC 300 main event? Because generally when you do a UFC 300 or 100 or 200, there are a number of title fights on that card. Does Conor McGregor top all those title fights and headline? And how do you, if he doesn't, how do you have a conversation with Conor about him not being in the headlining chair, headlining seat, when most of the people that will tune in will be watching Conor? But if you watch Conor's latest fights, he has been on a bit of a, a downturn. He has not won yeah. many fights. But I think that speaks to the star power that he possesses, that even though he is on that type of run, R.C., he still may be the guy that when you look at the biggest fight in the history of the, the sport and in the history of the company, they go, you know what, man? Title fights or not, you are still going to be the headlining act. So that lends that. Is Conor McGregor the headlining act at UFC 300, or does he have to go He's before people that are holding championship belts? He's the co-main event, and I don't care how many championships are up. It's smart to continue or to keep the main event, right, as a championship bout because that makes sure people understand how much the UFC values the belt, how much they value mm -hmm. the people that have done the work to earn it. But you don't have the conversation with Conor McGregor that he, he's going to be the first fight on the main card. That's ridiculous.
right? Because people, and I, and you know this like I know this, folks would walk out after Conor McGregor finished fighting Michael Chandler if he was the first fight on the main card. But if you put him at the co-main event, he still gets that marquee. He's still going to be talked about as one of the biggest fights of the night, and he's going to feel like it is. But based on their careers and where these two fighters are, a Conor McGregor Michael Chandler matchup doesn't deserve the main event, not based on where the fighters are as it pertains to attempting to regain or attempting to hold and win a title. So for me, it's the co-main event. We know a ton of people will sign up and will buy pay-per-views, will buy tickets to see this fight. So Conor can work that out contractually with the UFC, but I think you have to let the belt fight, a fight for the belt, be the main event, and Conor's going to have to understand that. I love that idea, RC, but unfortunately, what's fair doesn't really matter in the UFC. I think at the end of the day, you want Conor McGregor as the guy that's doing the media for the show. So I believe that title Mm. fight or not, Conor McGregor's going to be in the headline seat. And, And honestly... It's a weird deal. How would the Connor other fighters feel the, about that then, DC? Thank you. You, you yourself. No, I'm, I'm saying you yourself, DC. Not, not, not that. So when not I was fighting, he cares. What about the other fighters? Mm-hmm. Will the other fighters when care? I, guys that already hold belts, will they care that they aren't their main event and a fight with mm-hmm. Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler would be? Would that be a problem to those but, guys? So I think the closest thing that we can relate this to is this. When I was fighting John Jones at UFC 200, we were the main event and Brock Lesnar was the co-main event. But when John fell out and they had no time to promote Anderson Silva, no title fight, they moved me to the third fight from the top, kept Brock as the co-main and put Amanda Nunes, Misha Tate, as the main event, as the title fight. I just don't know if Conor McGregor will be okay with that. But I also do know this that when I was fighting in the championship fighting was the, was the main event, I would have been okay if Brock Lesnar was the, was the main event and we were the co-main because Brock Lesnar was the guy that brings in the pay-per-views. Because for as much money as Jones and I made together, when I, when I fought with Brock, we did about 400,000 more pay-per-view buys than Jones and I did together without Brock Lesnar. So it's like you know where the bread is buttered. So if you're one of those champions that has the ability to be on the Conor McGregor fight, you have to take it as it can because it's going to line your pockets in a way that you may not get if you don't have him on the card. So if it comes down to whether or not he's on or not, but he has to be in the main event, I think people would understand you take the main event, I'm going to take the money that comes with being on the Conor McGregor card. But we're talking about this, RC, as if it's just going to happen. When we have been told time and time again that Conor McGregor is going to be fighting. So what's the confidence level that he actually steps into the octagon? Because we have now been told for the last six, seven months that he's on the verge of returning. Him and Chandler, after doing the Ultimate Fighter, were supposed to fight in August. By UFC 300, that's going to be around April, May sometime next year. What are we do? Are we sure that he's going to actually make that walk again? Bro, when it comes to Conor McGregor, I'm like a girlfriend that's been hanging on for 10 years and the dude just won't propose. I'm still going on dates. I'm still going to the movies. I'm doing all the things that a good girlfriend or good boyfriend would do, and we just ain't made the commitment that we're going to set a wedding date. That's how I feel about Conor McGregor, that it could happen. 
It may happen. He's teasing that it's going to happen. But until it happens, I ain't believing that it's happened. But Michael Chandler <laughs> put this tweet out, and this could kind of give you a feel of where <laughs> things are, at least for him. Got a visit from USADA today. Timing is always on point. Ball is rolling. See you soon. And speaking of seeing you soon, we'll see Michael Chandler right now as we go to D.C., R.C., and my boy, M.C. <laughs> what up, brother? Welcome to go. the show. What's up, boys? Hey, I got I got the DCRC swag, baby. Let's go. Yeah, I don't have one. That's, I don't have one. I don't even have that. I got a whole box, DC. Bro, I don't hey, even have they're one. Probably, that's, they're that's, probably that's, on DC's. I'm they're on up, DC's bro. doorstep. Yeah, they're on DC's doorstep, <laughs> dude. He, he, he ain't even got them yet. Hey, bro. Hey. Hey, hey let me tell you something about Michael Chandler. Always positive. They only run a Always positive. It's true. They only run up to a certain size, DC. This is yeah. X, they only, they only go up they to XL. They only go up to XL, dude. <laughs> this is this is why this is why I don't like whenever two skinny friends come together because then they wanna they wanna bully the big boy. You know, you put two of your skinny friends together, they start talking like they gonna bully the big boy. Hey, but listen, yeah, ARC, might- Michael Chandler. Last week we begging Conor to fight him. Michael Chandler, ever the positive man, goes out and tweets, "Oh, the ball's rolling." Oh, MC, I asked Ryan Clark. What's his confidence level that the fight happens? What's your confidence level? Because ultimately, it affects you more than any of us, whether or not Conor McGregor steps in the octagon. How confident are you and as sure are you that it actually happens this time? I am 100% confident, and I have the utmost uh, forward thinking and confident expectancy that this fight is happening. Listen, um, I hear everybody talking. Why would Conor subject himself to USADA if he wasn't actually coming back. You know the rigors of it. I know the rigors of it. And yes, that tweet was for real. I literally got a visit from USADA yesterday. And the timing of it is always on point because months ago, whenever Connor missed the cutoff for the De- December fight or whatever, we everybody was talking about everybody. Connor's got 48 hours to get in. He's got 24 hours to get in. They tested me that day just to rub a little salt on the wound. But like you said, we stay positive <laughs> and this fight is happening. We'll see. Bro, you are the most optimistic, positive human I know. I was actually talking about you early on when I was filming, and I was like, look, man, they're about to make this Chandler Conor McGregor fight. We got to get MC on the pivot before the fight. But for you, with being that positive, being that optimistic, how hard has it been to wait on this fight to come to fruition? It's, it's a good question, man. Um you know, obviously, listen, any big fight, any fight that you really want that you have your heart set on, it's always tough to wait, especially when it's catching lightning in a bottle, when it is the unicorns fight that is the Conor McGregor fight that supersedes or that that is right after the Ultimate Fighter 12 weeks on ESPN. There was a lot of buildup. Yeah. We've been talking about this thing since February. I had a phone call with Hunter Campbell in this studio in February. I did just have a phone call with Hunter Campbell today. So things are more, things are moving in the right direction. I know we're not getting the answers that everybody wants, but I've always just known Connor's a fighter. Connor wants to come back. Yeah, he's got all the money in the world. He's living on boats, um, but he wants yeah. to come back to his first love. And there's only one guy he can fight, and that's me. DC, can Michael I ask Chandler? One more? Let me ask Mike. you this question. Yep, you got it, RC. You got it, RC. Go ahead. Can I can I ask you one more? This, uh, Michael, you mentioned how this is a unicorn fight. Was there any difficulty or how much difficulty has there been to not take another fight or 
as you wait for Conor McGregor to be in the USADA pool to give you that chance to get this date set? That honestly wasn't that hard of a, a decision for me. Um, you know, just okay. like when I signed with the organization in September and I and I said yes to a backup fight, fighting, fighting all the way, doing a training camp with a 99% chance that I wasn't going to fight Habib or Justin. And going out there, making weight, going through the training camp. When I signed my name on a dotted line, I'm a man of my word. Um, I never was going to give up on this fight, uh, even though a lot of people thought I was denied, all that kind of stuff. It's the fight that I wanted. I want to fight Connor. I've always wanted to fight Connor. And it's we've been this close now for eight, nine, ten months. Some days it felt like it wasn't going to happen, but it wasn't that hard for me, man. The guy I want to fight, Connor's the guy I am fighting. And unfortunately, I think he tried to smoke me out. He tried to wait me out because he thought I might <laughs> try to be active. Good thing is I got all kinds of stuff going on outside the cage, out here making money. I don't just rely on my UFC paycheck. So I'm out of here doing just fine. Good. MC, I got a question for you, RC. I'm glad that you had that follow-up question because I have something along the same lines. MC, you speak about it being a unicorn fight. You speak about it being right up there with the championship. Is there danger in you putting too much on this fight in regards to what it can do for you? Because ultimately, you're the guy that's been more active. You're the guy that's had the more recent success. Why would that feel so important to you opposed to that fight being important to Conor McGregor? Man, uh, I think no matter what, we had the ultimate fighter. You got to remember, all this all started with the ultimate fighter. No, Historically, nobody goes to the ultimate fighter and doesn't fight the guy that they on the we're on the opposite side with obviously connor can connor can people think connor can call a lot more shots than he actually can but either way man um i just knew this was the fight in my heart of hearts that was going to happen i knew it whenever i knocked out tony ferguson and i called him out with the big connor mcgregor post-fight speech that everybody loved he tweeted at me he's a guy that i know we have a ton of mutual respect for each other um we want to go out there and put on a show. This is the fight that I knew that was going to happen, and I can listen to everybody talk, all the pundits and all the other fighters acting like I'm not a real fighter because I'm waiting this long. It's all just hoopla, man, and I've just enjoyed the process, and this has been the best year of my life, man. I have spent more time with my family in the last year than I have in the last 15 years combined, so I'm, I'm uh, enjoying it, uh, to say the least. Listen, that part is amazing. We all know how much you love your family. It's amazing to see you with your wife and with your kids, but they ain't stepping in the octagon to help you, at least not until you're up on the cage and you're asking where your son is. And so when you look at this fight, which is going to be dynamic and explosive as it is every time you step inside the octagon, let's just say because of the math, this rounds out about being a UFC 300 fight. Would you and Conor McGregor deserve to be the main event of that card? Man, luckily, uh, luckily, I, I fight for and am signed with the greatest mixed martial arts promoters on the planet. They know how to put fights together. They know where to put the fights, how the fights come together. Um, do I think we're deserving of that? I think deserve is a tough word that anybody should use these days because a lot of people think they deserve a lot more than they actually mm. do. However... I do think uh, Connor and I are main event material. Do I think it's going to be USD 300? I don't know. Do I think we're worthy of that? I don't know. Do I do I know what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone six months from now? No, I don't. So either way, um, it's a big fight, man. People have, every single time Connor has tweeted, every single time Connor has teased that he's coming back, every single time they watch The Ultimate Fighter, every single time they see me out here training, keeping my nose to the grindstone, knowing 
that Connor is up against one of the toughest tests he's had in his entire career, if not the toughest test, especially coming off of a two-year layoff. Um, this fight has all the makings of fireworks. This fight has all the makings of main event milestone material. So we'll see. We'll let the UFC be the UFC, and I wouldn't be surprised if we are the main event. We'll see. Michael Chandler, look at my face. I turned my nose up at you. You're a politician. <laughs> you answered that question in seven different ways without answering the question. Look at my nose, RC. I answered answer the question hey. the, way, the way a young Daniel Cormier would have answered that question back in the day. You know, hey, that's how boy. I answered that one. You both do this have Dana White here. privilege. That is true. This that's is true. Right. That's this, right. boy over here, this boy over here answered so many questions without answering the question. Hey, Michael Chandler. Yeah. Hey, man, I appreciate you, you joining DC and RC and MC, man. Thank you, We brother. always love having you on. And I'm glad that this year you've been able to spend time with your family, but also be with us more as we uh, enjoy yeah. always having you on the show. Thanks, MC. Good training, man. Of course. Man. Thank, Thank you, guys. Appreciate y'all. Thank you. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Michael Chandler is a tremendous fighter. He's a, he's a politician. He's a great analyst. He can do so many different things on Sounds television like Daniel and in fighting. Hey, this dude is something Sounds else, like man. Dan this, dude, this dude didn't answer politician? that question. This boy didn't. Politician. Yeah, he a politician. Tremendous <laughs> fighter. That sounds like you, bro. They're, they're, listen, yeah, he, it he, ain't I'm just so the fact that you are a great fighter and people like you that you're the, one of the lead commentators for the UFC. That ain't why, DC. Nobody likes you. You're actually, in real life, though I love you, sort of a turd. You sort of are. It's not because of that. It's because you're a politician. Because you've known how to play the game. Oh, let's make people like me. Oh Everybody wants DC around. Watch me eat chicken with my shirt off and dance around. That's what people love about you. So you play the role mm. your entire career, and now you're benefiting for it or benefiting from it in post-career. Don't play games with the people, oh, so we want Hey, RC, so we want to tell, so tell the truth about people? Well, hey, guys, when I talk to Ryan Clark off camera, he, you might as well be watching Eddie Murphy Raw. Go back and watch Eddie Murphy Raw, and you would see how much <laughs> Ryan Clark actually cusses. You want to start talking about me and Ryan Clark? Bro, I can lie, lie. too. I can lie, too. I can lie, too, Ryan. No, anyhow, let me tell <laughs> you. You always lie. Everybody lie. knows you lie. <laughs> let me tell you who doesn't lie. Bobby King Green. Bobby Green will tell you exactly what he's feeling every single time, regardless if it benefits him or if it doesn't. Last week, Bobby Green was once again in a big spot. 
He fought Grant Dawson, who was the number 10 ranked fighter in the world. Bobby Green, for the first time since in the UFC. Now, Bobby will tell you, he fought Islam on 10 days. He fights anybody, anytime. That's why some of those big moments, he has not been able to come up in mm -hmm. wins. Now, he got it done with Grant Dawson. But not only did he get it done, RC, he got it done in a way that was so impressive. 37 yeah. seconds, he knocks him out and still doesn't call for being in the top 10, being in the top 15. He goes, I want to fight again at the end of the year. How impressed were you by Bobby Green? What was most impressive to me, DC, it was a left jab, right? You know, and Bobby fights <laughs> with that style, with his hands down a little bit. It's, it's sort of awkward. But you can see Grant was trying to get off his strike, and Bobby just beat him to it. It was accuracy. It was precision. Drops him right away and then finishes him. That was what was super impressive to me. But it's also like we know that this dude's a fighter. You heard Michael Chandler say, because I won't take a fight, there are people treating me like I'm not a fighter. But Michael Chandler's a fighter, but so is Bobby Green. Bobby Green ain't running from no smoke, bro. He's willing to get inside the octagon and go to war with anyone. But when you finish that way against a guy who was in the top 10, against a dude who 80% of the bets were on to win, that's a statement win. And if he's ready to go again because it wasn't a fight that he took a ton of damage before the end of the season or before the end of the year, I believe he should get that opportunity. He's always prepared. He's a guy that always comes to fight. And you know it's never going to be boring with Bobby Green inside the octagon. And I think this was the fight he needed. He just he beat Tony Ferguson in his last matchup. Now he gets this win. If he stacks another, we're having a different conversation about Bobby Green at the beginning of 2024 than we were at the beginning of this year. RC, Bobby Green come out to a, a song, a latest name, Sexy Red. It turned into a nightclub in there when Bobby Green <laughs> hit the speakers. Man, Bobby Green, ski it. Bobby Green, come on, ski it. I said, wow. No, it turned into a nightclub when Bobby Green came out of the curtain. Bro, he's one of those guys that captures the imagination of the people. Because, again, mm -hmm. he always fights and he fights anybody. But then the moment we're on air and we're watching Bobby Green, I remember in Utah, Bobby Green comes out and he jumps in the octagon and the place went absolutely crazy. So you know that people respect Bobby. You know that people like Bobby. So we immediately start to think, this is a guy that has 14 losses in his career. This is a guy that has been fun, but he hasn't been the most winning guy in the world. I remember this happening to another guy like this. I remember George Masvidal being a guy that had lost a lot over the course of his career. And in one year, he not only changed the perception of him, he made a ton of money, and he became one of yeah. the biggest stars in the UFC. He beat Darren Till, then he beat Ben Askren, then he beat Nate Diaz. Now, I'm not sitting there saying that Bobby Green's on a short list of fighting for the lightweight championship. But if you start talking about BMF title and all those other things... There's no reason why you wouldn't think I would put Bobby Green in a BMF title fight. So when I tell you that, Ryan, do you think Bobby Green possesses that ability to have that breakout year like Jorge Masvidal and make a ton of money and become one of the biggest stars, even though he's not one of those stars you expect to win every time, but you always tune in to watch him? But isn't it about a streak, DC? Like, think about that. Jorge Masvidal became... Jorge Masvidal, because he goes on a streak of winning. You just mentioned the three fights he was able to win. Mm -hmm. Now we have Tony Ferguson. You have Grant Dawson. If he gets another one, but it has to be a name. And the other part was 
We started recognizing Jorge Masvidal because of the way he won fights, right? It was coming off of it was coming off of the cage with the knee as the first strike against Ben Askren, and he's sleep, and then you you pound the mat as he lays there. But there has to be a little bit of that too that gets Bobby Green mm -hmm. into those conversations. So I think the Grant Dawson knockout is the start of it, right? A 30 second fit, 37 mm -hmm. second finish. Now it's about going to the next fight, duplicating something similar and then giving us the personality that makes us want to see you in there with other dudes we believe are bad as hell like you. Yeah, you know, I was thinking to myself, RC, that win over Grant Dawson was bigger a win than anything Masvidal had in that entire year. Yeah. Because Till wasn't in the yep. top 10, Asker wasn't in the top 10, and neither was Diaz. Think about the Diaz situation, though. Diaz was third, and Diaz was for that championship in New York City. Bobby Green called out Dan Hooker. Is that name big enough? Is that big name big enough that if he beats Dan Hooker, that he actually, you go, wow, Bobby Green is now more viable than we ever thought he could be. If, if he beats, to me, if he beats Dan Hooker, that immediately puts Bobby Green in the top 10. I would think he would be somewhere at eight or nine. And the thing we've seen about the UFC is once you get into that top 10, you can find yourself in a fight with number two, with number three, with number four, especially if they're looking to not have that much inactivity. And so I think he wins that fight. He wins in an impressive fashion. We have to remember now, we just saw Dan Hooker in a war. Dan Hooker in a war in which he has a broken bone in his arm and he finishes and he wins. And so Dan Hooker is on the comeback trail as well to prove who he is and who he was inside the octagon. I think this would be a huge fight. I think an emphatic win puts Bobby Green in different conversations. And it also, isn't it too, about making people want to put their butts in seats to watch you fight mm -hmm. and go about the way you're fighting? And I think that's what Bobby Green has on his side as well. Yeah, Bobby Green has that ability to make people care. I just don't know, and this is the only area that I, I worry about with Bobby. The stars aren't aligning as well as they did for Masvidal, because you remember, after Masvidal beat Ben Askren, Nate Diaz went in that fight in Anaheim and said, I'm the BMF, so they created a title. There's no one saying I'm the BMF now because the title already exists. There is no title they can create to put on Bobby Green. And another thing, Kamaru Usman was supposed to fight someone else for the championship, and he got hurt. So then Masvidal jumps on that plane, eats pizza in Italy on the way, and then he, you know, it even added to who he was. So it just seems like the stars aligned for Masvidal, and I don't know if the landscape in mixed martial arts is as free as it was back then. And then the pandemic, we didn't have much to do. Masvidal, yeah. his, the right. timing was perfect for Masvidal, right? And I just don't know if that exists for Bobby. My last thing about Bobby, and, and this was another thing. I, I, when I saw it, I go, oh my goodness, Bobby did it. Because I have seen Bobby in these situations before, not able to get over the hump. I said, Bobby did it. And the people went crazy in the apex. He's got a lot of momentum. He, he finishes Tony Ferguson by submission. He knocks out Grant Dawson. Says he wants to fight by the end of December. Said he wants to make a million dollars this year. Does he need to, though? Does he need to capitalize right now by fighting again this year to keep that momentum rolling? Or does he run the risk of waiting till next year and people start to 
MMA fans have the shortest window in terms of remembering yes. someone. It's crazy how quickly yeah. they move on. They have, they have short memory. Does Bobby need a fight again before the end of the year? I think he does. And, and I say that more so because he didn't take any damage in this fight. If this was an absolute war that goes three rounds and Bobby's damaged and he has to heal and he has to recover, it's a different thing. But because of the way this fight went, I believe Bobby would have an opportunity to take a rest, get back into training camp, and we'll see him again or we could see him again before the end of the year. And what's important is about capitalizing on your moment. Like, you can be prepared, you can be ready, but when you get that opportunity, you have to execute. And that's the reason we have so many stars in the fight game. We have so many stars in the UFC. It's also the reason we have a seven-time Super Bowl champion that is the GOAT of the quarterback position, who I think one of the greatest of all time in UFC got an opportunity to meet this weekend. DC, did you get to chop it up with Tom Brady? Yeah, bro. Tom Brady's the man, bro. Every time he goes, he's like, what's up, DC? And I always kind of like kind of shiver a little bit because I hated him when he was playing because he was winning all the time. But the dude's nice, man. He's a nice guy. He always says what's up to me, and he just seems to enjoy the fights. Let me tell you something, Marcy. Now, you love fighting. That's why you got this job. That's why you're so knowledgeable about this job. As a football player, you love this sport. But I ain't never seen you at the Apex. You got to love, love the UFC to be at the Apex. Hey, bro, it's got to be the third time I've seen Tom Brady at the Apex. This dude just loves watching fights. And guess what else? You know Sean Shelby, the matchmaker? Yeah. That's Tom Brady's yeah. cousin. That's Tom Brady's cousin, well, man. So I don't Well, DC. That's his cousin. You the closest you the closest thing I got to a cousin in the UFC. You ain't never offered me no tickets. <laughs> and and Yo, might I add, I came out there the next day. But I, I wouldn't have been able to make it to the Apex that night. Jordan big. was playing against Colorado. Let me tell you but in the offseason, in the offseason, I will catch a fight. With all them in jobs the Apex, you got right now, you ain't going to no Apex. With all them jobs you got right now, you ain't going to the Apex. I mean, you on my TV screen too much. At, at this point, when I see you on TV, I start booing the TV. Boo Ryan Clark. Oh, man, Ryan Clark. I got to watch him again. I'm booing you. I don't even watch our show no more because I get so tired of watching you. Man, forget <laughs> you, bro. Ryan. <laughs> forget you, though. Ryan. One guy I'm watching, if he actually makes the fight, is Paulo Costa. Paulo Costa is a That's bit weird. of an odd guy, Ryan. He, he went out there and he said he drank too much wine. That's why he lost to Izzy. Now Izzy. he releases the news that three weeks ago he had surgery on his elbow. Yesterday he went on the MMA Hour and said that he, 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 it was a staph infection because the moment I saw the picture, uh, I figured it was a staph infection. I've been around Russell my whole life. How confident are you that this dude actually makes the walk? And how damaging is it that three weeks ago Paulo Costa had what looks like a pretty intrusive surgery on his elbow? DC, it would honestly, look, he says, he's like, how strong are you? You never really know until you get tested by fire. I did surgery three weeks ago, 10 seam size, but I know how tough I am and continues improving, overcoming myself. It doesn't stop me. Still doing my things and sparring everything. I'm so blessed. Guys, Paulo Costa really is full of that bull jive, man. I know Dion is going to patent it soon, <laughs> and I can't say it. Paulo Costa full of that bull jive, dog. You're not <laughs> fighting just some dude. You're fighting Hamzat Chemaev. Yeah. 
You're fighting a dude that doesn't seem to me to be like, hey, I want this thing to be fair. I'm not going to try to snap your elbow in half because you just had surgery on it of three weeks ago. I don't know if Paulo Costa makes this walk. I also don't know if it's smart for him to make the walk. Not walk. Now, if he was truly halfway drunk fighting Israel Adesanya, that means dude ain't that intelligent anyway and that he's willing to fight at any time in any sort of shape. But it would not be smart for his career to get into the octagon in any way compromised if you're going to fight an animal like Hamzat Chemaev. And so I will be very, I think it'll be very interesting to see if he actually makes that walk and we get to see this fight as we're expecting. You know, I, I, I think it's odd that he makes this public knowledge. Most people will say, well, he's building excuses. He thinks he's going to lose to this kid. He's putting out this stuff because now he's got a built-in excuse. I don't think that Paulo Costa is built that way. I mean, this guy's a monster. And I have seen him in moments where I'm like, this is the best middleweight in the world. And I always point back to the Yoel Romero fight. I'm like, if this dude can fight Yoel Romero like this, we've never seen anyone compete with Romero in that way. Romero couldn't take him down. Romero's an Olympic silver medalist. Hamza Chimaev's not an Olympic silver medalist. Romero was able to take his power. Uh, he was able to take Romero's power. Not many people could take Romero's power. Romero, they, I have heard people say when they fight Yo Romero, he feels like he's made of, of steel, like concrete. You kick him, it hurts you. You punch him, it hurts you. I'm talking Luke Rockhold told me this. Robert Whitaker told me this. Everybody said this man was not human. Paulo Costa went through him like he was no threat to him. So I've seen Paulo Costa look like the best middleweight in the world. I don't know if this being public knowledge serves him in any way, shape, or form because Hamza Chemaev is a beast. And Hamza Chemaev is nasty. And if he gets an opportunity yes. to latch onto his elbow, that's exactly what he's going to do. And, and I think the thing that points to that more than any is the way that he went at Kevin Holland. Knowing yep. that Kevin Holland was making weight at a lighter weight, was smaller than him, didn't have the type of fight style to fight him, and was a little bit taken aback by having to fight Hamzat on one day notice. The way he went at him was crazy. And I believe he's going to do the same thing to Paulo Costa because he's a shark and he feels like there's blood in the water. Hey, you, you said it the, the exact correct way. A shark with blood in the water. And what they're going to do, they're going to hunt. They're going to get there and they're going to snap you in half. And that's exactly what I expect Hamzat Chemaev to do to Paulo Costa. Now, could this be gamesmanship? Could this have happened longer ago? Could Paulo Costa be yeah, perfectly yeah. fine and trying to set a trap? Absolutely. You know, there's a world where that can exist too. And let's stop playing with Ben Roethlisberger. There was no one better at diagnosing their own ailments publicly than Ben Roethlisberger. And it was a perfect setup. It was if he fights, if he plays, and if he wins, oh my gosh, what a warrior. He played through all this adversity, still comes out on top. You're a Hall of Famer. And if you lose, it's oh my God, he played so hard, but he was a little banged up. That's why he was a little off. And so there are these built-in excuses or built-in narratives to raise the bravery and courage of a fighter or a player. I get all of those things, but some things are better kept to yourself. And I think this particular injury, especially fighting the wolf, is one I would have kept to myself, DC. 
Absolutely, bro. I still don't understand. Looking at Ben Roethlisberger, the way he moved his body, I still can't believe how good that dude was. That dude was amazing. Amazing. And he didn't look like he should be as amazing. It didn't look like he should be as good as he was, but dude made the best of what he had, and obviously he's going into the Hall of Fame. RC, it's time to tap in the tap out, my brother. Let's go. Corporate Jake. All right, guys, Ilya Taporia appeared on a Spanish TV show this past weekend and announced he will be facing Volkanovski at UFC 297 in January for the UFC featherweight title. RC, tap in or tap out, Volk and Taporia headlining UFC's first pay-per-view of 2024. I tap in on that. Listen, when you watch Ilya Taporia and what he's done so far to get to this point undefeated, we've seen him walk through powerful fighters and overwhelm them with his volume and with the way that he attacks each opponent. And Alexander Volkanovski, bro, right now, he's the guy. For me, pound for pound, he's the best fighter in the world. This is going to be an amazing fight, an amazing matchup. And if you remember, when we had him on the show, he said he didn't want to tell us too much about Ilya. He didn't want to talk about it too much because he got some things up his sleeves. I'm ready to see that take place. I'm tapping in. I'm tapping all the way in. RC, last week we had a whole bunch that we tapped out on. This week we start with a tap in. I'm tapping all the way in on this fight. And let me tell you why. I'm tapping in on this fight for this reason here. I believe that Ilya Tapoya's body style might be ideal to fight Volkanovski because think about all the guys Volk has been fighting recently. They're all tall. They're all long. Longer. They're all tall. lanky. Yep. Yep. And he, he, he picks those guys apart. He has developed a style to fight those guys. Tapoya is a meat and potatoes type of guy. And he is about the same height, if not a little bit taller than Volkanovski with the same type of body style. I can't wait to watch this one. I tap all the way in. Corporate Jake. All right, guys. Nate Diaz came out and said he wants to rematch Jake Paul in boxing before MMA. Nate seemingly has three options next. MMA fight versus Connor, MMA fight versus Jake Paul, or boxing rematch versus Paul. So, DC, tap in or tap out. A rematch versus Jake Paul in boxing is Nate's best career move. No. I tap out. Nate's best career move is to finish the trilogy with Conor McGregor. They'll make yep. a ton of money. It'll be competitive. And they will answer what is one of the better rivalries the UFC has seen. Now, I think if he's going to fight Jake Paul, he should do it in MMA. Go get a victory. He'll beat Jake Paul in MMA. But in boxing, he'll lose to him again. So I say fight Connor or go fight Jake Paul, but fight him in mixed martial arts. I tapped out on watching Nate Diaz box when he threw both fists at the same time. I knew at that point I was done watching (laughs) Nate Diaz box for the rest of my life. Corporate Jake. (laughs) <laughs> Strawweight champ Zhang Wei Li recently posted a video of her picking up Shaquille O'Neal. A while back, she posted a video of her picking up Francis Ngannou. RC, tap in or tap out, picking up Shaq is more impressive. Picking up Shaq is way more impressive. Do you know how hard it is to pick up seven foot two of a human that's also over 300 pounds when you are a small woman? Like Zhang Wei Li, this is absolutely phenomenal. And the other thing I like about it, she gets a kick out of doing these things. She knows she's strong as hell, and she just wants to show it off. It's like when a kid first realizes he got a muscle, <laughs> right? And he just walk around, and yes. everybody he go up to, he goes like this. Oh, yeah. Zhang Wei Li does this. This is like her parlor trick or her party tricks. Like bring me the biggest black dude, yes. and I'm gonna pick him up. <laughs> 
You got to be the craziest human being I ever met, man. First off, you just got me still laughing that I'm done watching the Diaz. We threw his hand two fists at the same time. And now he got to talk about John Wayne Lee just picking up black dudes, which is true. But I think I think that picking up Shaq is most impressive. He's huge, bro. Shaq might have lost yeah. a lot of weight, but when you come from Big like man. 400 to 320, you're still a massive yeah. human being. So that's most impressive. Francis weighs like 285 on his heaviest days. Shaq weighs about 330 pounds. So, yeah, more impressive that she picked up Shaq. All right, guys, last one. NBA superstar Kevin Durant was recently asked who his favorite athlete is to follow on social media. His answer, Habib Nurmagomedov. DC, tapping or tap out on Habib being a top social media account. I tap in. He's fun. He does cool stuff. Let me tell you something about KD, man. KD is like... Tapped into mixed martial arts. Dude, a while back, I realized Kevin Durant was following me. And I had to go follow him back. I was like, dang, KD follows mixed martial arts fighters. The dude just loves fighting. But yes, Habib is, is very fun to watch. He's Coach Habib. He, he's training. He's working out. And uh, yeah, I can tap in. But I mean, he doesn't do all... Now that I think about it, it's not like he's doing all that much. Right? He's doing some stuff, but I mean... Is it a fun account to watch? Listen, I, I don't know now, uh, RC. I, I, I tap out. I think Habib is accidentally on an accident very funny. I don't believe he's trying to be funny. The dude just is because he'll say whatever comes to his mind or tweet it. And you're like, mm -hmm. did he really just put that out into the real world? <laughs> and so, like, those things are okay. cool. But I don't know if I think he's, like, the best RC. athlete to follow on social media. <laughs> Come on now. Best. But I will say this. RC. KD don't follow me, DC. So now I feel some sort of way. He follows you RC. and Habib. Maybe I should have <laughs> threw a punch in the opening. Yeah, hey, RC, what about whenever we told Habib? Come on, Habib. Dance with us at the Hall of Fame. Habib said, no, no, brother. Yeah. Please, no dance. No, no brother. <laughs> hey, he's like, he's so dry with you, too. And you don't know. It's like, does this dude dislike me? Does he not like me? <laughs> Am I about to get put in a guillotine on the desk? But remember, guys, DC and RC, man, a new episode every Tuesday on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Also, you can tune in at midnight on ESPN2. You can catch me and my dog, Daniel Cormier. I'm RC. I'm not a two-division champ, but my boy is. He is also a UFC Hall of Famer. We appreciate y'all tapping in.